turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Good afternoon, Northern California. Welcome. Just about five minutes after the hour, 5 p.m., as we welcome you to another edition of Lifeline. Keeping you company Monday through Friday at this time, as we typically do, addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk go to the mall sometimes or maybe shopping and you watch a parent not parenting and the child's running amok throughout the stores, pulling things off the shelves, the whole bit, and you think to yourself, how come somebody doesn't teach that parent how to parent or hold them responsible for their child? There ought to be a law. Well, apparently in Dallas there is one, though it has nothing to do with encouraging parents to parent. In fact, it seemingly has just the opposite effect. You might have heard of this case of a parent whose daughter was engaged in, at the age of 12, no surprise there, engaged in some inappropriate chatting on the cell phone. Happens all the time, right? So dad did what most thinking, caring parents would do, and that is he said to his daughter, taught you not to talk like that, I'm taking your cell phone away. The police were called, and the back end of the story is that he ended up spending a night in jail, had to pay $1,500 in bail, and it went to a jury trial. The father being accused of stealing his daughter's telephone. I guess I would, I would be in a lot of trouble as a parent, because in my house it would be, you live underneath my roof, I pay for your bills, and until the age of majority... My rules go, and if you don't behave appropriately, the cell phone will be taken away. Can anybody tell me right now listening that's over the age of 18 who doesn't remember a time when mom or dad said when you were 16 or something years old, you acted up, you misbehaved, you didn't do your chores, whatever, and the car keys were taken away from you for the weekend? Happened to me a bunch of times. I guess I should have called the police on my dad and said, hey, he stole my car. Let's try to see if we can't make sense out of what seems to make no sense at all. Dr. Greg Jantz joins us. He's a best-selling author of more than 25 books. He is founder of the Center for Counseling and Health Resources and the author of a new book that probably should be in the hands of every parent that has a child that's 18 or younger. It's called Hooked, The Pitfalls of Media, Technology, and Social Marketing. And Dr. Jantz, thanks so much for making some time out of your busy schedule to join us tonight. Is there something about this story I'm missing? I mean, really, this man was arrested for taking his daughter's cell phone because she was texting somebody inappropriately there's got to be a backstory please tell oh there's got to be but what is it it's it's uh, unbelievable isn't that just simply unbelievable and uh the role of there's several things that are confused here is uh we've really 
probably uncovered quite the conflict that was going on prior to taking the cell phone away. Something else was going on. And the other piece is uh, the role of technology with our young people and what's happening. Well, let's talk about a couple of things. First, as a bit of background, and this will immediately, I think, for most parents listening, say, aha, uh, the, the, the parents of this child are separated. Maybe they were never married. From what I've read, it doesn't appear as if there was ever any wedlock involved. So the daughter lives with mom but comes and visits dad. It was the daughter who had the telephone given to her by mom. Dad took it away when he saw that she was engaged in some inappropriate texting. And so part of this just seems to be uh, a bit of a, a battle between parents. It is, and of course the kids are caught in the middle of it. Um, and we know, too, that uh, there could be some different values as it relates to what's acceptable, even in, in text messaging. And uh, is that really private information? If you supply the cell phone and you have a kid who's under 18 and they're texting, is that private information? Well, let's talk what about this because I, I've, I've seen I've seen several postings on the web that seem to suggest that there's more than one individual out there that seems to be of the opinion that you know this child has her her rights and after all it's an invasion of privacy this that and the other thing and I'm thinking to myself really in in 2016 knowing the kind of dangers that lurk out there on the internet behind uh, social media sites everything from uh, you know pedophile to, uh, well, you just about name it, uh, even these days we're seeing kids kidnapped and, and, and being brought into the sex trade as sex slaves. What, what thinking, logical parent would say, oh, yeah, my daughter at the age of 12 has a quote-unquote, I mean, if you want to help give her a little sense of privacy in terms of, you know, don't, don't just walk through the bedroom door without knocking first, that I get. But a child that has a right to privacy on an electronic device under the age of 18, I, I, what is it that I'm missing here? Well, you know, we're back to um, really are we working on protecting our kids? Um, you know, what we do in our home, and I have two boys, is, um, you know, we know passwords. You share your password, and um, the phone or the smart device goes uh, actually in a charger in mom and dad's closet at a certain time in the evening, or you don't have it the next day. Uh, we talk about things that are, um, you know, downloading an apps. We make it a, an open discussion. We know that the average age to exposure to pornography on the Internet now is, is age 10, 10 years old. So we're seeing boys, 14, 15, 16, really have developed what fits more in the category of sexual addiction. I just read a story, Dr. Chance, probably over the weekend, about a mother who had her young son, a 10-year-old boy, had his Facebook account linked to her. So anytime there was a like or a message sent, she saw what was being communicated. Yeah. To discover that he was suddenly communicating with a 30-year-old man who wanted to make arrangements to meet the boy. There was yeah. apparently some graphic exchange of conversation. The mother happened to see this, immediately intervened, turned the device over to police, who then, posing as this perp, uh, actually set up a meeting. The guy showed up and he got arrested. I mean, those kinds of dangers. Are there parents that are so naive out there that they don't realize that if they don't control these devices, 
is pretty strictly, like in the case of this father here, that the kind of risk that they are exposing their children to is the equivalent of saying, hey, let me give you 10 bucks and send you into the seediest part of town for the evening and, you know, come home by 10. Right, right. Well, you know, here's the thing. Technology, and if you have kids that have been born in the 90s, they're part of the I generation. It's the first tech, uh, generation to be tethered to technology. And there's an underground world, and they're faster and smarter than we are. And every day there's a new app, and kids move in herds. You know, Facebook is old news. We're off to uh, other things. And um, now I can buy an app and put it on my smartphone that looks like a calculator, but it's really a disguised communication tool. Um, we have instant live uh, videoing now. And there's some apps that, like this that the parents ought to really be concerned about. So we've got to involve ourselves in the lives of our kids uh, really from a protection point of view. And again, as, as we're suggesting, this is not necessarily because you're trying to snoop on them or, you know, you're, you're trying to set up an environment where you demonstrate out the gate that you don't trust them. But the level of vulnerability out there is is so incredible. In fact, we'll, we'll pose this question for Dr. Jans and have an answer when we come back after a timeout. When I grew up, granted that was back when the Stone Age was here and there was, you know, no electric light or running water yet. Uh, my father insisted that if I was going out for an evening or hanging out with neighborhood kids after a certain time of the day, he wanted to know where I was going to be what parent was at that home, a telephone number to call in case of an emergency, and he insisted upon knowing the parents of the children that I associated with. He said it was just good parenting. That was just to protect me from what might be lurking in the neighborhood. Imagine today where with the Internet, it's the whole planet that we need to be concerned about. So what of that? We'll talk about that when we come back to more of the conversation. Do you believe that your child's so-called right to privacy ought to trump your responsibility to protect your son or daughter? If you were the parent in this Dallas case, 12-year-old daughter inappropriately texting with someone, broken the rules, you say, okay, you break the rules, I'm taking the cell phone away. Is that an appropriate parental response? What about the city of Dallas? Really? They don't have enough crime problems down there that they go and arrest this guy and put him in the Huskow overnight? This ends up going to a jury trial all over the question of the father being charged with stealing his daughter's cell phone because he was disciplining her for inappropriate behavior in texting on said cell phone. I mean, at, at what point do our child's rights end and our responsibility as parents begin? Dr. Greg Jantz, he is best-selling author and founder of the Center for Counseling and Health Resources. We're talking about the shocking case out of Dallas. Fortunately, the judge said, there's no evidence here. Get this thing out of my courtroom. But it, it, it begs the question. Should parents not take full responsibility for parenting their children? And since when should the police department, the government, get involved in a case like this? A brief time out back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. So split parents here. Daughter primarily lives with mom, visiting dad. 
Dad sees daughter engaged in some inappropriate texting. Rules of the house are he can't behave like that. Says the daughter, I'm confiscating confiscating your telephone. The 12-year-old pulls a typical 12-year-old conniption fit. Goes tattling to mommy, who apparently decides this is a great way to get back at daddy. And then through the police demands that the telephone be returned. Otherwise, it's considered stolen property. Now... That's that's the lay of the land. What's your reaction? Let's go to San Jose and say good evening to Elaine. Elaine, come on in with your comment or question for Dr. Greg Jans on this topic. Good evening. Um, yes, it's more of a question comment type thing. I was listening to Kevin uh, Lehman, Dr. Kevin Lehman, oh, yes. psychologist, uh-huh. and he was making the point that uh, in this very exact. A topic of cell phones that parents don't realize that the phone belongs to them because they are the one that paid for it. So therefore, if a child abuses the uh, rules and guidelines of the telephone, that the cell phone, then the parent has every right to take it away from the child. Now, in this particular case, I think because of the way our culture is going, we seem to get things confused as to what and who has a right, and you get the right lawyer out there, and they'll sue for the most ridiculous things, as in this case, I do believe. Um, and I'm just glad that the uh, judge threw it out. Um, but it, it, the fact that it got that far was kind of interesting to me. But I think you're right on when you say that it's, uh, it was appeared that the mom was trying to get back at her ex. Oh yeah, I mean that—that's that—that's certainly I think a big uh, component here, Elaine. And the other thing that I find of of, of concern, and Elaine kind of alludes to this, Doctor Jans, and that is the notion that you know we're in a day and an age when some of the child psychologists out there say now don't don't spank or paddle a child because that's considered Uh to be abusive. So then, what tools are left to a parent to try and discipline a child in an appropriate fashion? If you if if taking away their privileges is a Abusive and spanking them is considered child abuse, and you can't take away the cell phone because now you're stealing property. Why do we call them children then? Why don't we just say that they're, you know, miniature adults? That's right. Well, good point. You know, and I think, too, another bigger picture is um, what, how do we handle a whole issue of technology with our parenting? We know that. Um, uh, there's some real dangers right now with kids and technology, and how do we monitor this? What do we do? Um, and how do we uh, set up technology rules for our family and our household? And what's our values there? Um, how do we use it for good? So these are all important questions. You have a broken uh, family. Uh, this gets even more complicated because one parent may uh, be more involved than the other in uh, the whole technology realm. And so we, we send a lot of mis- messages. Are parents uh, underplaying the, the danger here? I alluded before the break to the notion that my father insisted on knowing who my playmates were, who their parents were. And by the way, if you're going to be over at so-and-so's house, I want a telephone number. I mean, was that overprotective for that era? I'm talking 40 years ago. And if that was overprotective for them, considering what's lurking on the other side of a cell phone or the Internet these days, my goodness. That's right. So what we do know is that uh, that was probably not overprotective. That showed love and care and 
protection. And right now, there's a whole other level of invisible level of communication, connection uh, that's happening via uh, the Internet and online activity that parents uh, probably, for the most part, I'm always amazed how many parents really um, aren't, aren't privy to how much is actually going on. You know, how many kids have received uh, sex texting? How many kids have had bully behavior online? So I, I just want to open up the awareness. I want to keep this so kids don't feel ashamed and they can talk about it. And, you know, developmentally, um, uh, developmental stages, the research has shown us that overstimulating the brain uh, with nonstop high-intensity blue screen activity um, really over time uh, can create what we call a craving brain. That brain wants more and more stimuli. We know boys are more prone to this. And it can really set you up to have an addictive type brain and craving more and more. So in addition to some of the obvious things like uh, pedophiles trying to make connection with children, things of this sort, uh, there, there's this whole layer of, of exposing them. And, and I guess it's true then that there, there, there are levels of maturity which our children need to be prepared to what they're exposed to. That isn't to say that eventually they're not going to run into this. I mean, uh, how many of us listening right now have innocently sat down to the computer and, and, and Googled a, a cooking recipe and all of a sudden, my goodness, got hit with porn, Jarella's recipe? Raising his hand, it happens all okay. the time, and, yeah. and yet to understand, like this one recent uh, junior high school, half of the student body got disciplined because they were swapping uh, naked photos of each other. Yeah, exactly. So it it, yep. it is it is a slippery soap, and and does it say to parents like Elaine and others out there, uh, you need to take time to get educated and realize that there's a lot more going on and capable of taking place in the digital realm than most of us are really uh, aware of. There's a lot more going on, isn't there, than what we're aware of? Uh, we do something called a digital dinner. One night a week, it's okay to talk about anything related to technology. The kids can take charge, and we sit there and learn about things that they know about, so that it helps us. <laughs> so, and we also want to promote to have one day of technology detox, where you just set it all away and down, and you're not involved with it for a day, and you, you learn how to do a board game. That's a board game, not a boring game. Uh, you begin to do things that you wouldn't normally have done. You're not talking like people actually sitting and conversing with each other face-to-face, -face, are you? Well, I, I knew that I had a problem in my home some time ago, and my two boys were at the dinner table texting back and forth under the table. To each other. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we sure appreciate the time tonight. Thank you also, Elaine, for your input. And uh, let me mention, by the way, that Dr. Jantz's book, Hooked the Pitfalls of Media, Technology, and Social Marketing, um, is uh, available. And uh, can you get it through your website as well, Dr. Jantz? Visit us at aplaceofhope.com, yes. Excellent. Good good resource for more information and, of course, to get a copy of the book. And, again, you know, this, this is a topic that I realize for any of us over the age of... Funny. Uh, uh, we're, we're still playing catch up, and what comes naturally to the kids is a big learning curve for all of us. But be aware of the pitfalls and the dangers that are out there. This case, certainly out of Dallas, is at the extreme, and yet demonstrative of the fact that this parent was simply doing their job to protect their daughter because uncontrolled, unfettered, uh, this can be a very dangerous 
um, manipulative tool in the hands of the wrong people. And the kind of stuff that your kids can be exposed to can be very dangerous. I'm not suggesting that it's not great technology. We all enjoy it. Life has gotten a lot easier at many levels, a lot more complicated at many others. But uh, it needs to be a case where, parent, you need to be actively engaged and aware. And I like what Dr. Jan suggests. How about a disconnect it, turn it off evening for the entire family? Dad's not responding to emails from work. Mom is not texting, you know, a friend down the street who wants a copy of a recipe or trying to coordinate, you know, the, 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 the you know, who's taking who the, to soccer practice next Saturday. The kids are not texting each other, sitting right across the table from each other and texting each other. Can you believe it? How about just good old-fashioned face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball conversation? Remember how that goes? You say something and I listen, then I say something when you listen and then we repeat. Fascinating thought, isn't it? wonder how that goes. All right. Thanks so much to Dr. Greg Jantz. Again, the book, Hooked, the Pitfalls of Media, Technology, and Social Marketing. You can get it on his website at aplaceofhope.com. That's aplaceofhope.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. It's a famous film many years ago starring Frank Sinatra. And at one point in the movie, there's a line as he's pondering the possibility of becoming a father for the very first time. And he opines that you can have fun with a son, but you've got to be a father to a girl. Well, there's a degree to which that might be true. But from the broader perspective, I think most today would argue that Boys and girls both need a solid male role model, a father in their life. And, of course, God designed it that way. And as we look at the many struggles that we see with the American family today and the difficulties in society, quite often we draw the conclusion that it's either an absent father or a father who grew up lacking the proper modeling from his own parents in order to really understand what it means to be a husband and a father and a man. Taking a look at this topic today, a new book entitled Stepping Up, A Call to Courageous Manhood, and its author, our guest today on Lifeline, and certainly no stranger to KFAX listeners, he's Dennis Rainey from Family Life Today, heard weekday mornings at 8.30 a.m. right here on KFAX. And Dennis, is always a thrill to have you on the program. Craig, great to be with you. We love the Bay Area and uh, have a ton of listeners out there. We're thrilled to be on your your station. And great for the opportunity to talk about this new book, a, a book that I think, you know, dealing with a topic that perennially seems to be a challenge to our society today. Uh, it's amazing how oftentimes women will call up to a program like mine, and I'm sure you would, Family Life Today, hear it all the time. They'll just say, I only wish my husband would be a father, or if he could just learn how to be the man of the household. Why is it that this seems to be, for growing numbers of men in our society today, so problematic that they don't understand what it means to be a courageous man? Well, I think for the past, uh, well, at least three decades and maybe four, men have been fair game to make fun of, to uh, pull out the gender blender culture that we have and kind of homogenize men and women together and say, other than the obvious physical differences, there really are no differences between the sexes. 
And God made them male and female. He made them uh, to be two distinct sexes with different assignments and certainly some mutual responsibilities. But I think a lot of men today are confused. They don't know how to do manhood. And as a result, they don't have a vision for what it looks like. And what I did, Craig, was about 12 years ago, I... I decided I was going to write a book to men and come alongside them and call them to courageous manhood and encourage them in the process. Not beat them up, not take them to task, not shame them, not blame them, but just say, come on, you can do this thing. Let me give you a vision of what it looks like and talk about some steps that a man needs to take in his lifetime. And I'll tell you, Craig, I thought it was going to be an easy assignment, but I had four false starts in writing this book. And finally, on the fifth time, I was able to uh, get it right. And uh, we've slung it out there, and it's really been flying out the door. We had over 20,000 copies sold in a little over three and a half, four months. Wow. And, and, you know, when we think of this topic, I wonder how much of the problem, beyond the fact that there's been uh, a breakdown in the, the lineage of role modeling, from father to father to son and so forth down through the generations. Then, too, I wonder, Dennis, from your research, is part of the problem here, too, also a, a false understanding of what manhood means? I, I'm thinking of, for example, a lot of the exaggerated Hollywood images. You know, uh, the guy covered in tattoos that smashes aluminum cans on his forehead, and that somehow is an image of modern-day masculinity. You know, I think to answer that question, I'll just take you to the five steps, because I think the answer is found as I kind of walk my way through them. Um, I believe there are five steps a man was designed to have before him as he goes through life. The first one is boyhood. Uh, He's designed by God to step out of boyhood into adolescence. That's the second step. And Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I behaved as a child. But when I became a man, he said, what, what did he say? I put away childish things. And so God designed a man not to stay on the boyhood or the, the adolescent step, but to step up to the manhood step and not not straddle with one foot in manhood, one foot in adolescence standing sideways. I believe he designed us to turn our backs on youthful lust, on wanting to play games, on wanting to uh, abdicate responsibility and assume the responsibility of what it means to be a man, get a job, get married, raise children, become a father, and not just father children, but raise children with purpose. And then there's those two final steps that I have that most men don't realize are out there and don't, don't experience the bonus and the benefit of, but there's the mentor the mentoring step and then there's the patriarch step god designed men i believe craig to to multiply their lives out that's what it that's what it means to be a mentor paul wrote to timothy in second timothy 2 2 he said these things which you have heard from me and trust to faithful men who will teach others also there were four generations there god made men to be a mentor and to be mentored. Every man listening to my voice right now ought to have a couple of younger men who he's mentoring, reaching down, calling them up, and he ought to have one or two older men in his life that are calling him up. We all need it. We were all designed by God to not only help others learn and become disciples, but we were also called to be learners as well and to be disciples of Jesus Christ too. 
So lacking all of this, I mean, it's easy to see that one of the, the fundamental problems then in developing a biblical understanding of what manhood means, that courageous manhood, as you talk about inside the book, is that what we're, we're either skipping some of these stages or steps or we get them out of order or, or perhaps just simply get stuck. Well, you know, I'm going to read you something from the book, and it's not something I wrote. It's from an advertisement, and I'll not tell you who who did the advertisement until I finish the piece. But it's it's an unlikely an unlikely source to be writing something so pithy about being a man. Here, here it is: Once upon a time, men wore the pants and wore them well. Women rarely had to open doors, and little old ladies never had to cross the street alone. Men took charge because that's what they did. But somewhere along the way, the world decided it no longer needed men. Disco by disco, latte by foamy, non-fat latte, men were stripped of their khakis and left stranded on the road between boyhood and androgyny. But today there are questions our genderless society has no answers for. The world sits idly by as cities crumble, children misbehave, and those little old ladies remain on one side of the street. For the first time since bad guys, we need heroes. We need grown-ups. We need men to put down the plastic fork, step away from the salad bar, and untie the world from the tracks of complacency. It's time to get your hands dirty. It's time to answer the call of manhood. It's time to wear the pants. Now, Craig, that was an advertisement for jock, for Dockers jeans. Wow. <laughs> I wish I'd writ, I had written that myself. Absolutely. I mean, talk about an accurate depiction. I mean, as you were reading that, Dennis, I thought, boy, so much of this summarizes what has been the the feminization of manhood and the masculinization of femininity. And, And, Craig, I think within the chest of men, there is a desire to do the courageous thing. I think they really do want to take the step up and make the difference in the world God designed them to make. Today at lunch, I had lunch with a guy who um, uh, I had met uh, as a result of of having a problem in in my life that I needed a professional to help me with, and he possessed the skills I needed. And in the process of him fixing what I needed to have fixed, I gave him this book. He calls me back two days later and he goes, I couldn't put it down. He said, Dennis, the reason is they handed me two babies when I became a father, and there were no instructions on them. I didn't know what it meant to be a man, a husband, or or a daddy now. How do I do this thing? And so I think we we kind of reserve heroism and uh, courageous acts for soldiers on a battlefield, which certainly that occurs. But I think today, Craig, some of the most heroic acts that are occurring are men who are pushing away from pornography. They're assuming their responsibility as husbands. They're taking on the, the load of the covenant that they made with their, with their wives when they got married a number of years ago. And they say, I will not quit. I will love you as Christ loved the church. I'll nourish you. I'll cherish you. I'll face this issue we've got with debt, with illness, with a child, and we'll face it together. 
And that's the kind of courage that's needed today. And um, I just think men long for another man to come alongside and put his arm around him and say, you can do this thing. You really can. Well, look, at stepping up, a call to courageous manhood. It's author, our special guest on this edition of Lifeline, Dennis Rainey from Family Life Today. You can get more information about the ministry online at familylife.com. That's familylife.com. And, of course, tune into the program weekday mornings at 8.30 a.m. right here on KFAX. We'll get back to more of our conversation with Dennis Rainey on his new book, Stepping Up, a Call to Courageous Manhood, as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to Lifeline. Once again, we're visiting today with a very dear special guest. Many of you, in fact, to spend your mornings with him as part of Family Life Today, weekday mornings at 830 here on KFAX. He's Dennis Rainey from Family Life Today. New book out entitled Stepping Up, A Call to Courageous Manhood. You know, part of this, I think, desyncretization that we've seen, Dennis, over generations, that kind of generational disconnect in areas such as mentoring and, and patriarch and so forth. I, I walked into the bank the other day and there was a woman a couple of steps behind me and so as I got to the bank door, I pulled the door back and stepped aside and he just, you know, prepared to kind of nod my head with a good morning greeting and instead she turned to me and said, thanks, but I'll, I can get it myself. And, <laughs> and I thought, you know, all the hard work that my dad went through 40-something years ago plus, training me how to open a car door for a lady, open the, the, the door to the grocery store or whatever for a lady, because that's what gentlemen do in polite company. And now fast forward a few decades, and suddenly you're getting yelled at for doing what I had learned to be was just a prop, proper and appropriate manly behavior. Yeah, and it's uh, common courtesies. Uh, we don't think of that being a part of being a real man, but I'll tell you what, my dad was, was that way. He, he didn't grow up with a lot of training, but he was a real gentleman, and he treated women with nobility and respect and, um, uh, and with honor. And I picked that up from him, and I couldn't agree with you more. I think if there's ever been a need for us to have an epidemic of common courtesy and and for men to lead the way in this training their sons, it's today. And, and I'll tell you, one of the ways we need to be we need to be uh, we need to show common courtesies and kindness is when we go through the airport and we go through TSA. And we're having to take our shoes off and put our computers in the, the plastic bins and go through there. Just try, try this the next time you go through, Craig. As a man, look, look, look one of them in the eye and say, you know, I want to thank you for your work. I bet you, you get a lot of compliments, but I just want to thank you for your work. And you know what I've been told? They've said, I, we've, I've been spit on. Uh, I've been cursed out numerous times. People seldom say thank you. And I've had a number of them come back and say, you know, I really appreciate you expressing a a gratefulness to me. You're the first person today. Or or maybe the first person in a long time. Or if ever. I think our country um, is kind of spiraling downward toward more of a barbaric behavior when men don't behave as men, as God designed them to be. Um, 
the result it just isn't good. Well, and I think part of it, too, as you underscore inside the pages of stepping up a call to courageous manhood, is this disconnect, Dennis. Uh, we are seeing a lack of, of maturity, uh, an absolute fleeing from any level of accountability or responsibility. And, and as much as there is this generational disconnect that so many young men and girls, for that matter, that are being raised in single-parent families where there's either not a mom present to, to model for the kids or a father present and, and all of a sudden this fundamental disconnect in the way God has established our society from a biblical standpoint is, is I think in many degrees causal to this because let's face it, if you don't have anybody to model after, then how will you know how to behave when you get to adulthood? You know, I've got a quote in the book in the, on the bo- about the boyhood step and it reads like this, a boy without a father A boy without a father figure is like an explorer without a map. Mm -hmm. Boys need men, fathers who are fully standing on the manhood step, reaching down to them on the boyhood step saying, come on up, son. Here's how you do it. And they talk about how you do it, but they also model how you do it. And and I just remember my dad. My dad's my dad's dad deserted him when he was a boy, along with his other eight siblings. And I don't know where my dad learned how to be a man, learned how to be a father, a husband. But but he could have been a victim. But he decided not to be passive, but to to initiate. And and I believe initiation is one of the essences of masculinity. Passivity is the exact opposite. The easiest thing for a man to do is nothing. Uh, I'll tell you a story. I think I told this story in the book. But I went to one of my kids' eighth grade uh, dances at the cafeteria. And when I arrived at the cafeteria, the dance had been going for a while. And the room was almost totally dark. With the only light that was on was over by the door where a bunch of parents were huddled up. And when we walked in the door, the parents said, Have you seen that dance they're doing over there? You're not going to believe how, how vulgar that dance is. You just got to go look. So I kind of thought, this is kind of interesting. The kids are all over in the dark doing something obscene, and the parents are in the light. So I walk over there, and I'd never seen a dance like this. But they were right. It was absolutely off the charts vulgar. And so I sat there, and my hands started getting clammy. And I thought, I'm, I'm afraid of a 14-year-old teenage boy who's got pimples all over his face. I'm 45 years old, for goodness sakes. What is wrong with me? And so I just stepped out, stepped up, and I tapped the young man on the shoulder, and I said, hey, knock it off. That's obscene. You shouldn't be treating that young lady like that. And I turned to the young lady and I said, young lady, you're going to be somebody's husband someday. You're going to be some some husband's wife someday, and, and you need to make sure young men treat you with respect. And I looked over my shoulder, and here comes another parent. He started tapping people, the young, young people on the shoulder. Billy Graham made a statement. He said, when one person takes a stand, the spines of others are stiffened. Are stiffened. Courage begets courage. And I think what's missing today, uh, Craig, is we're not telling enough of these stories of how men have done courageous things. I'm going to ask you to answer this question right here on the air. 
this is one of my favorite questions to ask other men when you, when we get together and have dinner and we got time to answer the question. The question is this, Craig. What is the most courageous thing you've ever done in all your life? Wow. Now, as you think about answering that, let me tell you what courage isn't. Courage, or what, what, what the answer is, and excuse me, it's not saying I've never done anything courageous. Uh, courage is doing your duty in the face of fear. It's doing your duty in the face of challenge. It's, it's doing your duty and refusing to do nothing. And all of us have performed numerous acts in our lifetimes that were courageous. And what happens is men don't talk about how they've been courageous in, in maybe some relationship they had. Maybe it was with their father. Maybe confronting him about alcoholism. Uh, confronting him around an affair. I've had those things mentioned as we've talked around the dinner table. You know, courage is not reserved for a battlefield in a foreign country. Courage can occur in all kinds of settings and situations. So, Craig, what's the most courageous thing you've ever done in all your life? Well, I tell you, thinking through the answer to that, I, I, I pondered back to a time in North Korea going in with a group of fellow Christian broadcasters, and there were a couple of ladies in our group, and we were bringing in some Bibles in with us. That is, of course, a massive no-no, and one of the border guards was about to catch one of the ladies, and I came in and, and, and basically created a bit of a distraction distraction putting the attention off of them and on to me and of course I'm carrying Bibles as well and I thought well if somebody's going to end up going to jail here it's probably better me than them that that was one of the stories that came to mind that's good you had to face fear and you did your duty you stepped up and you know I just think with this movie coming out this weekend courageous uh, we've been interviewing Alex and Stephen Kendrick on our broadcast, Family Life Today. If you missed it today at 8.30 uh, on, on Family Life Today, you can go online, listen to it. You really ought to listen to the interviews of these guys because I think God's up to something calling men back to courage, specifically courage around being a man, being a husband, and being a father, and caring about our community. Craig, I, I think today what is happening in community after community across our country is evil. Evil is preying upon our children, our families, and it's eating them alive. And some of the evil is being pumped into our homes at our own volition and choice around choosing pornography. And so for some men, the most courageous thing they need to do is break an addiction. They need to step away and step out of something that has control of their lives and and step up and say, you know what? I'm going to be I'm going to be uh, the doorway through which light and righteousness gains entrance into my home 
not sin. So much of this, Dennis, is about making the right choices. And I want to pause on that point, allow our listeners to ponder. We're going to take a brief time out, come back to some more observations. Our special guest today, Dennis Rainey, host of Family Life Today, the broadcast weekday mornings at 8.30 a.m. right here on KFAX. Just go to familylife.com. That's familylife.com, where you can hear not only the podcast of today's broadcast of Family Life Today, but also get information about ordering a copy of Dennis's latest book, the one we're discussing right now, Stepping Up, A Call to Courageous Manhood. A brief time out back with some more insights from Dennis Rainey as this edition of Lifeline continues. 